You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Jason Nitz of Warforged and Spent Case. There's this episode and over 440 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the audio version of the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I've got an epic one in store for you today. Today, I'm spending about two hours, two whole hours, with my friend Dewey from the Peer Pleasure Podcast. He's back again for another year-end recap. We did this last year, and so now we're kind of making it a tradition. This one was really fun. It's always exciting to talk to Dewey, and if you have not heard his show, you have to go check out the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Go check out his other appearances on the podcast. He's a very interesting dude, and he is very, very good at what he does. He is awesome. I was so stoked to have him on, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Now, as to why this is late, there's a few reasons. One, Christmas was on Sunday. That put a cramp in the normal editing schedule, and therefore it is late. Also, I spent about seven hours editing the video version of this podcast. We set up three different cameras. We did it all professional-like here in the Shred Shed, and it took me forever to edit all those different camera angles and I'm really, really happy with how it turned out, and a lot of you have been asking for the video version of the podcast for a very long time, so if you really, really want me to keep doing the video version, I'm gonna need you to go over to the Tone Mob YouTube channel and watch it. Please watch it, like it, subscribe, all that stuff if you would like me to do the video version on a consistent basis. I'm gonna need your help to make that a reality, so please watch it. Even if you already listened to this, please just go click it and let it play in the background wherever you are. It'll help me get my watch time up. I'm really, really, really trying to push YouTube hard. I've said that before, but I'm actually taking action this time. I'm tired of flapping my gums and not actually doing it. I'm actually doing it, and I could use your help to make it as successful as possible. So please go subscribe to the Tone Mob YouTube channel. I would really appreciate it. And just give all the videos as much love as you possibly can. It would make me feel really nice inside, and I would really appreciate it. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Dewey. Apologies for the late publish, but better late than never. I hope you enjoyed this one. Let's go. Okay, Dewey, we're, we're doing it. <laughs> Dude, we're here. We're here in the shred shed. Yes, I don't. I'm trying to set up like I'm a professional, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all good. We yeah. got multiple cameras. Yeah, I don't even know where to look oh, right now. We've got microphones that have never been used before. That's right. That's surely not going to be problematic. The at Rode all. wireless go tos. I use Rode headphones usually when I'm recording. I, I use like, Rode everything. You use Rode everything? Yeah, dude. I love it. It's good stuff. I love it. Uh, the only thing I use is not, well, the only things I use that aren't Rode is the 
MacBook, and mm-hmm. then my um, Umarm mm-hmm. is uh, Elgato. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's the low profile one. Mm-hmm. I had to order it from the Philippines or something to get it. it was really crazy. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, they were sold out in America, so I found it. I thought it was a scam, but I was like, I'm gonna try. Mm-hmm. And I found one used on Facebook. I ordered both, and they both came at the same time. So I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> so you got a backup. Yeah, but they're good. Which is not a not a bad deal. I've had a boom arm fail on me one time, and it's mm-hmm. once you get used to having a boom arm. For years, I just had the little amp stand ones, mm-hmm. and I just set it on my desk yeah. like an idiot. And it just took up so much room that I couldn't hardly work. Yeah. And uh, I finally got a boom arm like two years ago. I'm like, what have you been doing? Why? Dude, the one, especially if you're on camera, like in your face, mm-hmm. like the one that's low profile, they're, they're, I think... It's something white, the brand. Mm-hmm. They're like a lot of money. Okay. Like the ones like Rogan uses or, or any of these people that are, you the know, big, Spotify. Big, the big, big money. Yeah. Uh, use, it's like JS White or something. And uh, they're super hardcore. Like they're nice. But this one you can swing underneath you and bring up the mic and it's not in your face. I prefer to have the mic there. Yeah. Because I like to talk across the mic mm-hmm. instead of into the mic. Yes. Um, because I'm enormous and I breathe really loud. So like the if I talk across the mic, I find it's a lot less ridiculous. Yes. I had an episode with uh, Liam from Dillinger Escape Plan in Philly. Mm-hmm. And we had just packed everything up at our Airbnb. And he showed up like right on time. Mm-hmm. But we like, had to be ready to go. Because the last hour we were there, I went back later and listened to it. And it's just me going... <sighs> <laughs> the whole time. Because I was just holding the mic like this, breathing. And he's talking. I'm totally into it. But I'm just like... So you're just cutting out just massive chunks of. Oh, I didn't. You just left it. In. I left it. I didn't realize. So someone emailed me about it. Like, dude, are you like okay? Right? Yeah. What are you talking about? He's like, you were breathing through that whole episode. Like you just ran a marathon. I was like, what? Went back and listened. To it. I was like, well, I'm not taking it down now. It's yeah, already it's too done. late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, live through your mistakes. That's true. That's true. Hopefully, this whole recording process isn't a mistake because I've literally never done it like this. Before. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a camera here, we've got a camera here, we've mm-hmm. got a camera here, we've got mics we've never used, so what could yeah. go wrong? Yeah, it's working. I can see it. It's recording. I know. What's really going to drive me crazy is when I forget to turn off my heater and the, the noise comes on. <laughs> That's really going to drive me nuts. It sounds like a lightsaber uh-huh. firing. I was just... Yeah, I'm just going to do that anyway right now, even though we're live. I don't care. Right. Yeah, there we're we in go. The sh- we're in the, sh- uh, the shred shed. I can never say it. I tried so many times. <laughs> You you've know. done it. You've done it on podcast, though. You've said it on. You've, yeah. You were like, oh yeah, my buddy Blake at the Shred Shed, and I'm like, yeah, he did it. But in person, yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> Maybe it's just when I'm in here, I can't do it. There's it, so much to look at. It's so I was just telling you how good it smells in here. Which is surprising because it's me in here just sweating yeah. most of the time. Yeah, but maybe not today because it smells great. Like it just <laughs> smells like a like a cabin, like a, a warm cabin. I I, I realize that maybe I'm going overboard. Uh, just recently, actually, I've realized it a few times, but recent, the most recent, I had uh, John um, from the band Hemorrhage on uh-huh. the show, and when he came on screen, because you know, usually we're we're not live, yeah, he was like, "Where are you at?" I was like, uh, "I'm in the shred shed, you know, where I where I record." He's like, "I thought you were in like a guitar center or something." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, uh, well, uh, I guess this is getting kind of ridiculous, but yeah. it's for work, so you it's got fine. them all staggered." Yeah, like a guitar center. But. I I keep thinking like at some point I'm gonna have to like. I like how this looks, and I don't want it to go away. For the listeners, it's mm-hmm. everything hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna have to like angle them 
at some point. So I'm gonna have to like redo all the stands so they kind of cock out and it won't look as good, but you know, it's either that or stop buying guitars. And Something that's just... also practiced by Guitar Center. That's true. Mm -hmm. But if you look at all the gear you have in here and tallied it all up of like the quality of gear in here, you probably have a better quality collection than any Guitar Center has in all their gear. That's true. I'm pretty picky. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Some of it has come from Guitar Center. Most gearheads are pretty picky. Yeah. Yeah, we're very, stuff. very particular, but, you know, so so it goes. But we're supposed to be doing a year-end wrap-up episode. That's yeah. the idea. Did we do this last year? We did. Okay. We so did. So it's tradition now. I think we should do it every year. Because it's, it's not like a, I couldn't remember if it was last year or the year before, but it had to be last year because I was still at the Equivision office when we did it. Yes. Pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I think it was February, maybe, when I moved to the other studio. Yeah, something like that. Or, now I can't remember. I came to the other studio. Oh, wait a minute. What, what happened? I don't remember. Why did you come to the studio? I don't remember why I came to the studio. You're dropping my guitar off. That's what it was. Put a kill switch in my guitar. Yes. Uh, Shout out Sean from Gun Street. Yes, Woo. Gun Street Audio. That was rad. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, just throw it in. Yep, sure. Beep, 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 beep. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Kill switch. Custom done. guitar with a kill switch. Mm -hmm. Felt like John Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. that, that can't be the only reason. Because I could have just brought your guitar to your house. There was some other reason. I don't remember. Because we had, you were dropping that by, but you were, Coming by for something, so I was recording. Was I trying to show you how to do something, how to use something? Maybe I was just seeing the studio. Maybe that's all it was. Maybe. That probably is. That would make sense. Yeah. That would be something I would do. I just yeah. want to see the studio. I yeah. thought it was I thought it was maybe you wanted to see what my setup was like. Maybe it was my mobile setup. Uh I don't Oh yeah, because I I was always curious because yours is you you did so many recordings in your car. Yeah. And they always sounded like they weren't in your car, mm -hmm. so I was trying to figure out how you did <laughs> really it. Really nice cars. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, uh, what was it, a 95 Toyota Previa, mm -hmm. just top of the line. Top of the line. Uh, a 95 Dodge, oh man, not the sh not the Shadow. Uh, Intrepid? No, hmm. man. I've Stratus. Seen... No, oh. I, it's going to boggle my mind. I, anyway, a tree fell on that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, a Spirit, Dodge Spirit. Dodge Spirit, okay. Dodge Spirit, another mm -hmm. classy rig. Yep. Uh, did some in the Union Hall classrooms. Mm -hmm. uh, all the same setup taught to me by Mr. Mike Herrera from MXPX. Yes. Uh, a podcasting buddy and used to be labeled, or not labeled, but network mates. Mm -hmm. But he showed me how to do it. I don't remember who taught him, but he sent me a picture of how it connects together. And it works great. That I was a, do it now. I, I did an interview with him. That is a Tone Mob episode, basically, mm -hmm. but it's not on the Tone Mob podcast. It's on his podcast, which is kind of hilarious. So, like, I interviewed Tom, right? And then Tom's like, I was like, can I talk to Mike? He's like, sure, I'll give you his number. Mm -hmm. And so he gave me his number, and I texted him, and he was kind of like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> How did you get this phone number? Like, yeah. I was like, Tom gave it to me. And he was like, oh. He's like, I don't always do this was back in the day this was quite a while ago yeah uh, he was like i don't usually do other podcasts uh just kind of a, a business a business arrangement that i've got going on um but you can come on mine and i was like <laughs> this is even weirder because you don't know who i am <laughs> and you're gonna invite me on your show which yeah. at the time was bigger yeah uh, probably still is i'm not sure but it might be bigger than mine and uh and so i was like isn't this backwards wouldn't you do the experiment with the guy you don't know <laughs> On his show and not yeah. on your own, because that could have went horribly wrong. Yeah. But it's basically me me interviewing him about gear through like the MXPX career, uh -huh. but it's on his show, yeah. which is hilarious. 
But similar with me, the first time we did an episode together, he's like, "Why don't we just interview each other?" So, All right, sure. So that's what we did, mm-hmm. and then he came back on for the uh, fifth year anniversary. Uh, I did like a trifecta episode. Yeah, I couldn't decide. So like, there's so many like crucial people, but so I did Chino, and then part two at his house, and then I did my Carrera because he was the first podcast I ever heard, which was like, oh, I could do that, mm-hmm. and then also. Uh, Taught me how to do the mobile recording, which I used for years. Right. And then, of course, Yvette Young, mm-hmm. so who's been on, yeah, a six, lot of times. Six times now? Yeah, depending on when this comes out. It'll, it's coming out tomorrow, so. Oh, okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, six times. No, five times. Five Sorry. times. Five times. Uh, it's going to be New Year's Day. Okay. It comes out, part sweet, six. Sweet, sweet. Which we said, like I said, I called, I texted her the night before. I was like, hey, you want to record tomorrow? Yeah, it should be free. I was like, that was easy. <laughs> you know, I ran after tour, mm-hmm. end of the year. So anyways, but yeah, this the wrap-up thing was fun last year. I, a lot of people do. A lot of people do like their top records or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, I just like to like put a stamp on the end of the year. I think reflect it's, on some things. It's and then, fun. Like I think last year we've, if I'm remembering correctly, we kind of framed it around like our favorite episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's for me this year, it's more about just like the stuff that happened that was related to the podcast for me. Like I had some really awesome episodes. Obviously, one of my favorites of last year was you and me and Yvette, like <laughs> at the Jupiter Hotel courtyard thing that we weren't supposed to be in. Yeah. Uh, that was obviously a favorite. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were talking about the Liver King, and it turns out he is on steroids, uh-huh. uh, even though. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's crazy. He did you see the fallout? Uh, no, so, I just saw his like body. Yeah, well, so he Terrible. was claiming like he went on tons of the, like the biggest podcasts in the world, mm-hmm. and he's like, "No, I'm all natural. Like I'm 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 natural. Like I don't take steroids." And uh, he was lying because then a bunch of emails came out from like his trainers and suppliers and stuff and he was on like 12 grand of steroids a month oh my god like hgh like every like basically all like legal and like prescri- prescribed prescribed yeah. you know but like he was definitely on a lot of a lot of juice dude with so a family speak. of five i don't even spend that much on food in a month <laughs> i forgot my hat Where'd i would hat love go? to be on 10 12 grand worth of anything <laughs> i your blockbuster hat yeah, my it's hat? behind the camera over there oh i'm gonna go get it it's on the other side of the studio. No, let me go over here. What's great about this wireless rig is I can still talk and do it. Yeah. Even if I go out of frame Dude, for a minute. This is we're wonderful. We're full on lavalier, people. Dude, this is incredible. We're I'm full so used, on lavalier. I'm used to being stuck. The size of a quarter. <laughs> uh, what what changed this year for the podcast in your life? Like what change? Like what big changes happened this year? For so you? I mean, really, really several things. Um, as far as the podcast itself, that's pretty much stayed the same. Mm-hmm. I have started trying to do more YouTube things that are related, gear related, obviously, but I've realized that, yes, I want to publish. I have like tons and tons of videos to publish mm-hmm. of the podcast to YouTube, and I want to do that, and I'm going to do that, and I have done a little bit of it. But I realized that like I got to get platform specific where I'm publishing. Like If I'm going to be a media outlet, I can't. Unfortunately, I don't feel in my niche that I can just podcast, even though that's what I really want to do, yeah. is just podcast. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's going to work long term for me to only do that. Um, so I've really made the shift into trying to learn 
video. And uh, I do more video for clients now mm -hmm. than ever, which is actually a little more fun to me than than the, the straight up gear videos because I get to like make these artsy weird things and like create the music for it. And they're just like bizarre, twisted like edits of things that uh, I just kind of get to do whatever I want there. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so specific to like show this overdrive pedal. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also realized like I don't have to I don't have to just demo stuff. So one of the most fun videos I did this year was uh, smashing the Behringer Super Fuzz. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? I, I should take the same approach to video. Instead of feeling like it's this drag that I have to do, make it stuff that's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, make it stuff that I would want to watch. I don't want to sit there and watch straight demos all the time, especially for me. There's people that are way better at it than I am. Yeah. And so I'm trying to take and put information that, I know and put it out there, make videos that I want to make, put them out there. So, you know, I've got this game staging one I want to do to, uh, in the next few days. Mm -hmm. Just some other things like try to fill in some gaps where I feel like my skills actually apply versus just like, here's what this sounds like. Don't get me wrong, I'm still going to do demos. Mm -hmm. But um, just trying to, trying to adopt to a different way. Approaching video the same way I approach the podcast. I make the mm -hmm. podcast that I would want to hear for the most part. Yeah. Which is why I like yours so much. They're they're very similar, mm -hmm. uh, and so taking that approach to video has been a big mindset mindset shift for me. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like actual events that happened, you know, the slice of pie came out finally. So awesome! After so much work, yeah. so much work, uh, and they're almost gone. They may be gone by the time this drops. I'm not 100 percent sure, but if not, go to BigEarPedals.com, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that was an intense project. I know a lot of people seen. Ha they they saw the end result, yeah, and it's it's goofy and silly, and yes, it is all of those things. But I don't think people fully understand the amount of hours and time that went into making those details just perfect. Mm -hmm. Not just from my perspective, like the the concept. Like I didn't come up with the concept. Grant came up with the concept. But like working through all the details, the hours and hours on the phone, and mm -hmm. but then them actually having to go out and execute it. Just so much time, and to finally see that come out, uh, it was really cool. Um, but then, for me, I think the biggest thing that's changed overall is I'm just getting more and more wrapped up in Stringjoy, which sounds kind of weird, mm -hmm. um, but I'm spending more and more time... I'm spending as much time as I can on that without physically being in Nashville, basically. Mm -hmm. It's it's my second job at this point, is... is working with Scott to like try to make that company work as best as I can for everybody involved mm -hmm. uh, customers employees and and ourselves you know basically yeah. it's 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 a lot and him and I have spent more time on the phone I think I've spent more time the only person I've talked to more than Scott is my wife mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean 30 minutes to three and a half four hours a day yeah on the phone with him, trying to trying to make sure this company stays afloat, you know, yeah. and uh, keeps going. Man, is there anything keep? I mean, there's a lot keeping you, but what's keeping you from not going to Nashville? Uh, family, I got a family lot of close? family here, a lot of family here, but I, I I go to Nashville fairly frequently. Yeah, and it would be a pretty good career move for me to go to Nashville, obviously, mm -hmm. with all the guitar stuff. Yeah, but um, I'm an Oregon boy. Yeah, like. 
born and raised. And every time I go to Nashville, I'm like, this is great. I really like it here, but it's not home. Yeah. Oregon, Oregon is home for me. Like the Willamette Valley specifically. Mm-hmm. Even going to Bend, I'm like, I love Bend, but I couldn't live here. Yeah, couldn't live there. It's, it's, I mean, I could. I could live anywhere. I'm mm-hmm. a cockroach, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to. I don't want to. I yeah. love it here. Yeah. I really love the Willamette Valley, and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, and I don't have to because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm currently here, and I don't plan on, on going anywhere. But if I was to go somewhere, it 100% would be Nashville. Yeah. No doubt. It's my home away from home. I love Nashville. I guess you could have, like, I mean, you're three or four hours on the phone, but then you get to hang up the phone and you're here. Yes. Instead of hanging up the phone or stopping the conversation and going to your house in Nashville. Right, which wouldn't suck. I mean, I do love it. Yeah. But well. it, it's not Oregon. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see that ever ever happening. I could see me going there more. Um, I'm, I'm currently going there about once a year. I could see myself going like three, four times a year. Yeah. Potentially. Quarterly visits. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Yeah. And it seems like I don't have to plan. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. I, I don't really... You'd think I'd be like, oh, I'm going to plan a quarterly visit, right? It's been more like... Things happen and I have to go. Yeah. So when we when we got into Sweetwater, it was all hands on deck. Yeah. So that was a you huge. You were gone. <laughs> that was I was literally I talked to Scott on Friday and I was like, do you think you want me to to come and help? Like I I not I can't like make strings efficiently, but I can box things, I can tape things, I can count things, like mm-hmm. no problem. And he's like, yeah, I think we got it. I think it'll be okay. It's gonna be rough, but I think we got it. Mm. And uh, Monday, he texts me. Um, how soon can you be here and how long can you stay? <laughs> because not nice. only did the Sweetwater order come through, mm-hmm. that would have been fine in and of itself. And if people who've worked with retailers, the initial order is always your biggest, right? It's because they got to stock up. Yeah. And then everything else from there on is like just topping off what they have. It's more manageable. Mm-hmm. But the initial order is always really large because they don't have anything. And... We didn't know that was going to happen. We'd been talking to them, and we we thought, okay, we're going to have several phone calls and hash things out and whatever. Mm-hmm. But what happened was we launched the Orbiters, our coded electrics, mm-hmm. and we had already told all our existing retailers about it the week before we launched. We're like, hey, we're coming out with these. If you want to be part of the launch, let us know. We'll get your order out, blah, 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 blah. That caused all of our current retailers to go, mm-hmm. whoa, yeah, of course we do. So they put in a bunch of orders. Yeah. And then Sweetwater, the next day, after we sent that email to all our, our existing retailers, the next day Sweetwater got on the phone with us and was like, yeah, we want to bring you on. Let's do this. And by the way, uh, we want you, you being, being mm-hmm. Scott and Chris, our, our retail guy, global sales guy, actually. That sounds, mm-hmm. he's, he's very important. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he... Uh, they had to get there before October 31st because October 31st was the last day that they do their in-house training for all the sales engineers. Mm. Because going into Q4, it's a madhouse. They don't have time to train. Yeah. You know? yeah. So we had to do it all in two weeks. So we had to do the Orbiter's launch and because we already told, told our current retailers. Then we had to do the big Sweetwater order and get it all done in two weeks, which was an enormous thing to try to do mm-hmm. uh, at you know the drop of a hat. Yeah. So, I flew down there and and we we actually got it all cranked out five days early, which they weren't they weren't thinking we were going to be able to do. So mm-hmm. that was really impressive to see the team all come together and yeah. make it happen. But yeah, Stringjoy is just growing. It's always been important to me, and it's I didn't think it could get more important 
but it's getting more and more important because as the company's growing and, and doing really well, uh, thanks to largely Scott and the you know he's he's kind of a brilliant dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they're the whole team really, but like he's the he's the heart of the company, obviously. Yeah. The responsibility that that comes with it is not something I necessarily expected to weigh on my brain as much as it does. It's like, ooh, there's a lot of people down there that gotta eat. Mm -hmm. And we gotta make sure that this thing keeps chucking chucking along, not just for us, but yeah. because these people, they work hard for us and they deserve mm -hmm. you know, be taken care of the best we possibly can. So yeah. That's been a, a mental thing I wasn't anticipating. Yeah, it's a good thing, but it's also kind of weird. Yeah. As, as as a former just like <laughs> mechanic <Diesel> guy. Mechanic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. that's what comes top of mind when you when you ask that question. Um, other than that, yeah, it's just been been trying to keep the podcast going, keep all the media stuff trucking along, mm -hmm. and and trying to. Make sure that those responsibilities are are met as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I I uh, really appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens, and it's uh, still astounding to me because, as much as I've been talking about kind of everything podcast related, mm -hmm. none of this like I I wouldn't be involved in String Joy. None of this would happen without the podcast. The podcast yeah. is every. I wouldn't even have the client work that I have without the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's all related to to the show because that's how people find me. Yeah, dude. Well, you, you got to think too. You're a dad and a husband, supporting your family from this stuff. Also, have a family at Stringjoy. Right. You're trying to you're doing double duty. Yeah, and it and what you make a fantastic polygamist. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep your keep your head on under stress and uh, support multiple families. <laughs> Yeah. That's what the podcast has led to. It's led to me being a polygamist. An FLDS polygamist straight ahead, buddy. What? I was going to say, you're familiar Short with Creek, that, right? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> head on down. I'm familiar with what I was told about it beforehand, before it became, well, it was always a crazy thing, but mm -hmm. before it became like documentary after documentary, right. and book after book. So I was like, yeah, those people split off and they're not, they're not right. Right. That's what it was told to me. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, we don't talk about them. Which, oh, all right. which, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see why. But the, the, the parallels are fascinating to what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Never would have thought of that. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I mean, I did refer to Scott, or we did collectively before the the cameras were rolling, uh, as as work wife. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I maybe I'm the work wife. I'm not really sure how that works in, mm -hmm. that, in that particular relationship. But yeah, we. <laughs> Yeah. We talk a lot. I can barely handle one. I wouldn't want to bring in a second. But the, <laughs> the uh, yeah, that was just a, a thought that came right across, my, right across the bow. The, 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 the thoughts that come to your mind are fascinating. Yeah. You know, that's what makes your podcast fun. I did have one thought that was going to be profound. I was certain of it as I was talking to Yvette the other day. Mm -hmm. And live time, I just start talking. And I was tying, I always tie things into analogies, as you probably noticed, yes. like a lot. Just how my brain works. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm in the moment. I'm going into this thing, and I bring up the subject of being on tour and driving past horrible car accidents, sure. and like seeing like dead kids and stuff, which mm -hmm. is awful, which has happened multiple times. And I had a huge, like overarching thought that I was going to make clear with this. So I go down that road, and then I just start like kind of looking and talk, like kind of saying words. My mind went completely blank, and I never recovered from it like i never remember i to to this day it's been <laughs> five days 
I still don't remember where my point was. And it's driving me nuts. But it was live time. I'm leaving it in there. Like, I'm just like, and I, Yvette, I totally lost my memory. I don't, I don't know what I'm I talking about. It was going to be cool. Yeah, car accidents. Like, what was I talking about? All right. No idea. You know when you're going to remember? When you're, like, welding a pipe. Yeah. You'll, you'll be like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> or as I'm recording the intro to the episode and... And, oh, yeah, that's what I was getting at. I thought about listening back to it and trying to find where my mind was going. I can't. I've been noticing that a lot more lately. I will forget what I was going to say. I will forget what I was going to look. So say I'm on Instagram or something. I'm scrolling through doing nothing. I'm like, oh, I should check out this song or I should check out this. Like this thought comes in my head. Mm-hmm. I'll then immediately forget it. And then I have to scroll up through my Instagram what to go back to what I was looking that? at. Yes. To recall, Mm -hmm. it's super weird. It's getting worse. I hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Mary X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations and 33 banks. And something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my pocky? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. feel like that's less of a symptom of like age because neither of us are that old but it happens to me more now too and i think it literally is everyone's brain is full yeah like there's no way you can absorb all this stuff that's being thrown at you mm-hmm. via you know via the podcast i, I had a listener yeah. the other day <laughs> message me and uh, i won't i won't call him out because they didn't get permission to but he was like i i just started listening to gaslight anthem it's incredible. How did I miss Gaslight Anthem? And I was like, I know he listens to every episode. I was like, uh, Brian's only been on like three times. <laughs> like, yeah. How did I never hear about this? Yeah. And he's like, I know, I know. But as soon as the podcast is off, I'm on to something else. And no. my brain is it's like, oh, yeah, I should check that out. And, boo! and I'm yeah. like, you know what? I can't fault you for that because I do the same thing all the time. <sighs> every intention on following up with whatever it is, like what I, I mean, it's just like, boom, on to mm-hmm. the next thing. 
which is why I actually really like the process of doing podcasts because this is the only time in like modern human like interaction where we can tell everyone that we know leave me alone I'm talking to this person for mm-hmm. the next hour and I'm only talking to this person. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. I'm not yeah. going to do anything else. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not even thinking about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like my wife can get through in an emergency. She can come pound on the door if it's really serious, which has happened before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but in general, no, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be alone with this person conversing for an hour and there isn't really any other space unless you do this. Where else can you do that? Like, mm-hmm. you have to be very intentional about it. And it's if you're kind of like, bro, can you leave your phone at home? We're going to have a barbecue. Just everyone put their phone in a bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a little weird. Like, you don't want to force anybody to do that. But yeah. when in this context, it's like, oh, yeah, I got to make sure I'm not, I'm, make sure I'm paying attention to what's going yeah. on here. <clears throat> and I, I like that. It's also why I like working out because if you don't pay attention to what you're doing when you start trying to lift heavy, you get hurt. You're so you have a conversation have, with you, yourself. Right yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you gotta. It's it's. Those are two ways I can actually shut off the yeah. chatter in my brain is podcasting and exercising. Dude, that brings up an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking of this the other day, and we'll see if I forget it. Um, the VIP experience, right? Like, so you you pay for a VIP experience with a band. Sure. A lot of money. And you get like the laminate and you get the, which isn't real. And you get like, it's so weird to me. Like people, and I had to remember back to when I was a kid, like going to shows and how cool I thought it was. That Oh my God, they're so-and-so like mm-hmm. really fascinated by it. Before all the magic was killed by touring. Uh, like, oh my God, I totally got a laminate, man. Like it doesn't get me anywhere, but yeah, it's cool. <laughs> like, and uh, <laughs> um, I, I just don't understand that side of things anymore because it's sure. just like I'm, I'm just jaded and I'll admit that like I've yeah you've seen it I, I've seen it mm-hmm. I, I do, but it's cool for them so like I went to uh, this is a long tale on this kite but I went to the Trinity of Terror tour the other day okay uh, at the Moda Center with it was Ice Nine Kills Motionless and White uh, Black Veil Brides and Atreyu mm-hmm. and a couple of the Atreyu guys are good buddies of mine yeah Porter and Travis and uh, so they got me past, and then Spencer from Ice Nine's a friend of mine, but uh, and then Mike Mowry manages them. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I want to uh, go see Ice Nine. Like, check it out. So they give me passes and stuff, and everything's good to go. And I'm standing in line with these two people, and then there's lines wrapping around the Moda Center, but I'm in this two-person line because of a VIP pass or whatever. But they're getting like the VIP experience, so they get let in and they meet whoever and do this whole thing, and they're so excited. I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know? And then I go in and, and I'm standing there waiting because since COVID, a lot of the stuff, if they'll even let you backstage, you have to be escorted usually. So I had to wait for Porter or Travis to come get me mm-hmm. to bring me back. So I'm in early because of the VIP pass and I'm watching all these people come in and they're running in and running in and they all got the same makeup on and the same <laughs> shirts, but they're being originals, right? And, I, and this is me being a cynical bastard, but mm-hmm. uh, the... They're they're uh, all wearing the same shirt, same makeup. Two guys had like clawed eye makeup on. Okay, came in separately. They're not together. <laughs> Just regular clothes with like, oh, I got slashed by a bear on the way in. Like, right, you know. And I'm that's like, like an ice nine thing, right? But they all, yeah, like mm-hmm. that. They all used, like are being themselves, their true version of themselves. And uh, 
I had to just sit back a second and think about how jaded I was. But then a dude comes up to me, excuse me, boss, uh, do you know where the, the nearest bathroom is? And I'm like, do I look like I were? I didn't say this, but in my mind, I'm like, wow, I must be old here. I'm the guy who knows where the bathroom is, the guy who works there, right? <laughs> and I've got like the pass on my shirt. And uh, it was crazy. But then I'm thinking back, dude, I used to get ready for shows when I was that age. Mm -hmm. Like I used to like, you know, I wouldn't have to throw makeup on or anything, but I'd throw like this cool black shirt. And like, and I thought I was totally original going to be with all the guys that look like me watching this band that we like. Even oh, when yeah. like Thursday was playing. We'd all get all of the hair brushed across. Like, <laughs> and I was in that boat. I had like, why am I such a jerk that I've, in my mind, I can't help but think like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. Oh, this is, this is awesome. So I had to shut that part of me off. Long tail on this, the VIP experience. What you pay to get a handshake from the band and a picture, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Hundreds of dollars, probably. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's usually astronomical. Usually a couple hundred bucks, I think. A couple usually. hundred bucks. Yeah. We get to, with what we do, we get to sit down with one of these people from these bands that people pay hundreds of dollars to get a handshake from for an hour, hour and a half, just the two of us, mm -hmm. ask whatever we want, talk about whatever we want to talk about, tell whatever story we want to tell for free. Yeah. Not only that, like sometimes we get paid. This is, but that's, that's not from the, the people, but like to do what we do. Yeah. So is it, but how many hours do we put into this show oh. before we get that? Oh. And you take that Thousands? and think about how yeah. much we are paying to have that experience just by our own time to get there, that's to a, get something that that's far. That's a good point. It would be cheaper to spend a couple hundred bucks on a VIP experience. We're exactly experience. the same. Yep. We're exactly the same as those fans coming in. But we are also the conduit between that guy or gal and that guy or gal. Mm-hmm. 100%. So it's such a weird, incestuous, like, amoeba of, of <laughs> life. Like, it's... I start out going to shows. I love this band. This band's my favorite band. I'm going to wear this. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm myself. I can be myself here. Then start said band. Go out and be in band. Lose all love for that side of everything mm -hmm. and just get in the business mode. Then get out of that and get into this. How many hours? Like I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, when my dad passed away, I was supposed to interview Mike Ness that mm -hmm. weekend. And I canceled it because I was like, I'm going to be here with my dad. He's dying. Yeah. The opportunity has never presented itself again. He would have loved for me to go do that. He would have like woken up out of that coma and said, get your ass down there. Right. I'll be here for a while. Like just I'm, you know. He would have slapped me in the face if I if I was able to tell him, oh, I canceled this. But from when I was 13 years old, 14 years old, and first saw Social Distortion, to what would have been me sitting on the couch in the Moda Center with Mike Ness, face-to-face, mm -hmm. -face, just us, for an hour and a half. Dude. How many hours did I spend in between there to get to that point of hard work and sacrifice to, for that road to lead there? Mm-hmm. A million we, we dollars? Don't, we don't. Yeah, we have no Did idea. Did I just pay a million dollars of my lifetime to sit down with Mike Ness? Probably. Mm -hmm. No, that's a that's it's a good a weird point. perspective, but it, it's it, the truth. It, it is true, and it's I I didn't go through that whole. Hold on, before I I'm always paranoid when my screensaver comes on. I just want to make sure we're still recording. Sorry, I just peek behind the curtain, everybody. <laughs> 
Shoes. I can't do it from that angle. Ah. This is exciting. Did you say shoes? Shoe. Shoe. I meant to say shoot, and I said shoes. <laughs> I don't know why. Ah, nerds. <laughs> What's my password? All right, we're good. All right. I, uh, I just I can't see it. I get paranoid. Yeah. <clears throat> we're good. Anyway, <laughs> no, when you put it in that, so what I was going to say is you, you went through the whole like process to be able to get jaded. Yeah. And I didn't. So I didn't tour. I never, I never started seeing what that side of life looked like until mm. I started doing this. Yeah. So for me, I kind of went from fanboy like you know dress up for the show mode yeah to the first the first time it really happened was with brian fallon yeah to sitting down with brian fallon on a tour bus so i went from fan to sitting down with brian fallon on a yeah. tour bus without ever going and seeing the rest of it but i was like ho, ho, ho. i felt like chris farley like in that snl skit where he's like remember that remember that time remember that time he wrote that 59 south <laughs> yeah. that was awesome that was awesome i, I kind of felt yeah. like that yeah. you know and getting and so like going and having all these experiences, especially because I was starting to be able to do that right before COVID. It's like we met in person at the Thrice show, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And, when you were interviewing your favorite band. Yes. Yeah. And so the, you know that was like full bullet. I mean, I, I, after that, like when they went to play, I went in the mosh pit. Uh -huh. Like, <laughs> and I went home. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what difference is this? I was in a car on my way home after three songs because, like, that's all I needed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was in there the whole time. Mm -hmm. I went down and then got to see this from my perspective. Yeah. So I was in there singing, screaming, moshing my head off, just going, yeah. Got done, drenched with sweat, completely disgusting. Walked down the stairs behind the at the Roseland, down into the green room, and I go into the bathroom, use the restroom, and come out, and Dustin's there, like, washing his hands. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so weird for me. Yeah. And I didn't say anything to him. I was like, hey. And he's like, yeah, hey. Yeah. And, and we just, <laughs> I'm like, this is so weird. For me, as a huge fan, yeah. to have this access and, and to see this stuff. And, you know, I mean, things like, I don't know if you listened to this episode or not, but I'm a massive Lucero fan as well. Mm -hmm. And now when Brian V comes here, yeah, I pick him up. We go around. Mm -hmm. He came back here, and we just hung out and made weird spacey sounds with pedals for a while. Uh -huh. My dad comes in. My dad and mom come in because they knew we were out here. Yeah. They're like, we're not interrupting anything, are we? Like, no. And my dad basically interviews him for like an hour and a half. <laughs> and finally, I was like, this is too good. And I just mm -hmm. turned my phone voice memo on. And it sounds terrible, but I was like, I got to get something. Yeah. And uh, it's like my, my dad sitting here talk, having a conversation, a musical conversation yeah. with a guy that's played in a band I've been obsessed with forever. And he's sitting right by that drum set over there. Like, <laughs> It's so incredible, dude. <laughs> my dad would have done the same thing, but he would have turned it around and be like, so you ever heard of Portugal the Man? You ever heard of Anatomy of a Ghost? My boy, my boy's in this band. Like he always would turn it around into that. Mm -hmm. He was good at talking to people too, but he would immediately turn it around into something like promoting what his son's doing or whatever, <laughs> right. you know. Which was so cringy to me when he was around, but he's not. I I cherish it to this to no end. Mm -hmm. uh, but dude, that's hilarious. Like we were talking about going down, like going to the bathroom. Dust is watching it. You're both sweaty as hell. Like oh yeah. It, but think about like, I first met them at a show at uh, the Meow Meow, the second location. Okay. They were playing with Anti Flag and Starting Line and like some crazy. Oh, I remember that weird... lineup. I didn't go to that, but I remember that lineup. It was so good. And I was like, who 
is this band? And I talked to them for a little bit. And every time they came through, I would go to the show, go to the show, hang out, talk, hang out by the van, chatting them up, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then we get on Warp Tour together. Like, oh, yeah. What's up, dude? He's in the lunch line. He's like, hey, man, you guys are playing this? Yeah, we're playing this. And they're on main stage, of course, doing their thing. And we would hang out in the bus for air conditioning and just came closer that way. Every time they come through, we'd hang out. And we just grew into a friendship to which, the, talking about the journey, you and me had talked to each other like online and stuff, mm-hmm. didn't know anything about each other really. I show up to the Roseland, Eddie comes out, we, we go back and uh, it's like, where's Tap? He's like, oh, he's doing a podcast. And I was like, oh, not mine, weird, okay. Because <laughs> usually when they come through town, I right. was like, man, I'm just, I'm tired of recording our conversations, let's just hang out. Let's hang out, yeah. And so I go down there and I just go down there and start making a sandwich. Like all this, they spent all this time building this band after, you know, I'm going over the place, but I went my direction. They went their direction. We all spent time, which got us back to each other to where I'm making a sandwich for free (laughs) and a show for free with your favorite band and some of my favorite people in Mm -hmm. the world to where you and I met in that same room where Tepe and I were just doing an episode when I almost quit the podcast. I almost quit the podcast. So much stuff went down behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, not with me, but with my friend, and it about killed my whole motivation for doing the podcast. Sure. And I was like, I, I got to, if I'm going to do this, I have to do this now. Like, I have to do another. So I called Tepe, and I was like, dude, let's do the podcast when you're here next week. He's like, okay. And that was my comeback. Mm-hmm. Was that in that couch where you were doing it earlier? Okay, wow. The same couch where I was with Jeff from Thursday when I realized I don't use my notes. And changed the whole form of the podcast mm-hmm. to what it is now. That same couch in that green room, the the bigger green room in the Rosa, yeah. in the back corner. Wow. And then, but that's that's the thing. Like they go their direction, I go mine, and then now we're making a sandwich. You and I are hanging out, and then you and I and Ed had a conversation for like I don't know two hours afterwards, mm-hmm. just shooting the shooting the crap, and then like you're out moshing and I'm driving home. Well, it's it's just so weird. And that was a moment for me too. That was so I was sitting there. So there was a band playing that night that I. Uh, you've interviewed, and I really want to, uh, The Holy Fun. Yeah. Huge so fan. So good. I'm a huge fan of that band. They're so, so good. Shout so out Holy good. Fun. Yes. So good. Go listen to Dimensional Holy Fun. Bleed. Yeah. It's a fantastic record. Yes. Go check it out. Came out this year. Uh, and I knew they were playing it, and I was like, oh, they're playing right now, and I really want to watch them, because I've never seen them before. But in my head, I'm doing the math of, like, there's a chance that I will never be sitting this close to Ed again. And... We're just hanging out, having mm-hmm. a good time. Nothing, nothing crazy's happened. We're just talking. Yeah. Uh, there's a chance that I'll never get to do this again because mm-hmm. who knows what anything could happen, right? I was like, "This is your, your favorite band for 20 plus years. Just sit here and have the conversation with the bassist. Yeah. Like you can just probably catch really fun at, at some some other point, mm-hmm. most likely. And just 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 you're you're already getting along famously. Just just talk to him. Not like five minutes later, you know. Okay, this is like where the gear nerd in me comes out. Ed busts out his grabber. Mm-hmm. The one he made. The one, not the one he made. The one he's played for a long time. The oh, one okay. he played on. I must like, have been playing the one he made. Yeah, yeah he he brought a couple of them. His but, front of house wouldn't let him play it because it sounded. Super yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but his his original one. Yeah, uh, and so he busts that thing out. And just I don't even know why. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why. Maybe it was. I think it was to compare it to the one that he made. I think that's what Possibly. it was. Possibly. Yeah. So. I'm sitting there, and Jess, my good friend Jess is with me. He's also a massive fan, mm-hmm. uh, just as big of a fan as I am. 
So he's loving this too. Mm -hmm. uh, he busts out the grabber and I'm like, and he's like, yeah, here, check it out. Mm -hmm. And so there's a picture of me on the internet, like holding the grabber. And for most people that are like, oh, it's an old Gibson grabber, who cares? I'm mm -hmm. like, no, this is Ed's Gibson grabber. I listened to this bass forever mm -hmm. and I'm holding it and I'm noodling on it a little bit. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I made the right choice staying down here. This yeah. is so cool for me. Yeah. And I know for him, it's like just every day, right? But, and he's been, I mean, again, like I'm kind of gushing here because I still can't believe, this is the part where I haven't got fully jaded yet. Because uh, like Ed texts me when they were recording the the latest record, mm -hmm. he's like, "Check out the space." I'm like, "Oh, are you guys recording?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, mm -hmm. "I just, I just found out they were recording before most fans have even the idea that they're recording." Yeah. Like this is wild to me, and it's just from doing this, mm -hmm. this right here. It's so insane to me. I love it. I love it. It's, if there's one band awesome. that is not just Tuesday, it's those guys. Yeah. Like they absorb it all. They enjoy it all, and. When they're when you're talking with them, they're talking with you like it's mm -hmm. not another day. Like it's it's just as awesome to them as well. I mean, they're just wonderful, beautiful people. And uh, it's yeah. also really encouraging that like, because everyone's like, "Don't meet your heroes." And I'm like, "But mine are really cool, so it's fine." Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. everybody I've got to meet so far that I've really looked up to mm -hmm. as a musician has been incredible. I've yeah. got I've I've had. Nothing but positive experiences meeting my musical heroes so far. I'm the sure. The bigger the band, the nicer the person. It's Knock crazy sometimes. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, since mm -hmm. I want to flip it to you. 2022, mm -hmm. what have been some kind of big moments? What changed for you this year? Man, well, we're going through a change right now because we're uh, leaving Equivision January 1st. Excuse me. And so why don't uh, you talk about that a little bit? Because I think, as we talked about before, we've talked about this a lot, mm -hmm. but before we started record recording today, I said, to a fan of the podcast, that probably sounds like a, a bad thing, but I know that it's not. So maybe you can elaborate on what that means. Yeah, it's like, it's it's a strange feeling. It's a strange for a few reasons. So the first reason is uh, Dan at Equivision took a huge chance on me. Mm -hmm. uh, and his only goal was to help the show. Like, how and, you know, let me help you out. Like, how can I help you out? Right, and granted... It was during COVID, so no bands were touring. It was like this dead zone of time. And, you know, he wanted to learn about the podcast space. I needed help and, uh, like, a like a partner because I've been doing it mostly on my own for so long. You know, Maori and I were doing it with Jabberjaw. You know, he was helping me out. I'm bouncing ideas off him every day. When that fell apart, uh, that's when everything just went to, to the toilet. Mm -hmm. And I looked back, and it was August... No, it was, man, I think it was June to November or something. like. It was a long time I didn't put on an episode. Mm -hmm. This is also how I realized the radio station I was on, the internet radio station I was on, didn't have any idea what I was doing because every week it kept playing the same episode for like five months. No, oh, what? And then they never asked about us. Like, really? Hey, uh, Chris 2 from Antiflags again? Oh, he's been on there for you know five months now. Every every week, same time. Uh, wow! So that kind of clued me in. Like, all this is just fake. Like, it's all there's nothing here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, so when Dan and I were talking about this, that's right when Jabberjaw was dissolving, and I was like, "Man, I'm just gonna go on my own." And you know, Maori's like, "Just talk to Sound Talent. Talk to Sound Talent. Just take a call with them. It's Dave Shapiro, who's a good friend of mine." Mm -hmm. For a long time, he's like, just hear what Dave has to say. 
And I'm like, well, I'm talking to Dan at Equal Vision. We're talking about maybe doing something, you know, with the podcast like a band, which in my, as far as I know, had not been done before. Maybe it had. I don't think so. I'd never heard but of it. He's like, why don't we just sign it like a band and work it like a band? We have the resources and they're not doing anything right now. Same reason there was a podcast network. Because right. there was no booking going on. <laughs> uh, so it's like this perfect storm. I was like, man, I got to say yes to this. Like, I got to try this. And because uh, I trust Dan with my life. Like, we talk every day. And uh, it, it was great. It was fantastic. The show grew. We got, a, like, I, I came up with, like, a rebrand concept that I was able to execute because I'm not an artist. But I was able to give Alan Ashcraft the the pieces of what I wanted to see, and he turned it into something that has recreated the show. Uh, and I wear that merch all the time. You do. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, but it was it was it was all like, I, this is what I want to see. And he would come back with something, and it would either be amazing or terrible. Regardless, it was working towards something. And uh, once the rebrand was done, we had everything firing. Like uh, everything was going great, and it was absolutely fine. But then when when uh, everything started rolling in, like like money starts, not, we won't say rolling in, but sponsors come on board and things like that where I'm doing 99% of the work, uh, which is was to be expected. Like that's, I didn't think anyone else was going to do the work. Right. I needed help growing the show, art department, uh, you know, business advice, things like that. And that's what Equal Vision gave like, me. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they gave me way more than I gave them for sure. And it just came down to a conversation between Dan and I, where he's like, you know, like the show's doing great, but you know, like there's like bands make a certain amount of money, a podcast makes a certain amount of money, very different amounts of money. Yes, <laughs> it's like I just don't want like with the amount of work you're doing, I don't want to keep taking a percentage of what you're working for mm-hmm. because of a deal. He's like, so I would be totally fine if you want to, to like go our, not go our, that sounds awful. It wasn't getting dropped. It was like, I want you to, like, we can't do anything else for you. Basically, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's like, <laughs> pay us back what what we put in. And that's, and already, then, ha- that's already done. And, right, and then you get the full check, basically. Yeah. and Because be, you're doing so much more work than what, like, we're providing resources, but as far as hours go, you're doing all this work, you deserve more of the, the paycheck. Yes, and because he's my friend. Like, mm-hmm. He's like, I just, he's a good person. He sees something like that and says, you know what, this, this money isn't like ch- changing our life here at EVR, mm-hmm. but having this money every month will change his. Right. And that's exactly the way he put it. I almost tear up. Like, I was like, you're serious. Like, you'd be cool with that. He's like, absolutely. You need this so much more than we do. Mm -hmm. Like, we have bands and all this stuff. And I don't think they could have taken the show any further. Right. You can. I can. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing more for them to do. Like, he provided the help I needed. And the fact that he's willing to let, let me out of the deal early to help me was phenomenal mm-hmm. like I told him like I, he's like I don't want that to sound like negative like it's not like I didn't even know it was an option right so I wasn't even thinking about that mm-hmm. and so it was really a special thing you know he came to me well we came to each other in the beginning 
how can I help? I love the show. How can I help? And we worked it out. He did exactly what he was supposed to do and beyond. The show did exactly what he was supposed to do and well beyond uh, expectations. And then in the end, you know, set it free. Right. So that is why we're, when I say we're leaving Equal Vision, maybe the wrong word, we're separating from Equal Vision, but in a, the best way possible. Right. On the best terms. There's no... There was never a negative moment. That was, was so crazy. With When you're dealing with bands, it can be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But the podcast was always a fun kind of hobby for Dan and for me. Because we'd get on the phone every week and talk and just have a blast. It wasn't all stress and you did this to me and you owe me this and blah, blah. That's when he got to shut that part of the label off and just talk to one of his buddies every week. Mm-hmm. And same for me. I shut off everything else and, oh, Dan and I are talking. That's it. Like, that's the good part of my week. Well, and that was, was so fun about it. It was more of a, a team effort thing. It was like, we're both trying to do the same thing. And I think with bands, sometimes it becomes, from this is just my perspective, mm-hmm. it becomes a little bit of a, of a band versus the label situation. Mm-hmm. Or it can, not mm-hmm. always, but it can morph into that where the label doesn't feel like the band is putting in the work they should, and the band feels like the label's not putting in the resources they should, or whatever yeah. it is. They both feel like it's like kind of a... It starts out as like, yeah, we're going to do this together. And mm-hmm. then it slowly but surely uh, morphs over time to where both parties are trying to get more out of each other than they probably should. Whereas yeah. the, with the podcast, it's more like, if I'm reading it correctly, two friends both trying to build the same. It's like two bandmates yep. together trying to grow one thing, even mm-hmm. though they are separate entities. Yeah. But it's in both of their interests to push forward. Yeah. yeah. And he got to learn about the podcast space. Which is big for a label to know now when they're positioning oh, yeah. bands and stuff for things. The podcast game is real, and he learned it from the inside out with like a like a, uh, a genuine podcast, like a real deal. One that people and listen to. <laughs> I've been on several record labels, and I wanted to be on EVR so bad my entire adult life. So now I have been signed to EVR as an artist on my own, not with a band, mm-hmm. but from work that I put in. To make it something that they would want, that was the coolest feeling in the world. Seeing my face on that roster, they'll yeah. now say on the alumni roster, but seeing my face on that, well, I used to go to that website every day and just check the news, tour dates, whatever, as as a kid. Mm-hmm. When we didn't sign with them with Anatomy of a Ghost, I was furious, but I was blinded by the money that Fearless was offering. Right. When, when they offered us a very fair deal that would have gotten us what we needed, without all the extras, but it's what they knew they could provide. Mm-hmm. We said no because Fearless offered us a crap load of money. Mm-hmm. It was the worst decision we ever made, and I told him that all the time, and he knew that for 20 years until we reconnected and, and made this deal. I've wanted to be on Equal Vision, and I've done it. It's awesome. It was a huge milestone for me, and it was never, like the other labels, I won't say were predatory, but they weren't giving us the full picture, mm-hmm. and we didn't understand Right. That when they hand you this money, you immediately owe that money. Yeah. It's like a loan. And you're with very paying bad it terms. back at a percentage. Yes. So if you borrow 10 grand and it's a 50 50 deal or whatever, you have to make 20 grand to pay that back. Yeah. And you don't get any of that. Like, it's crazy. And so with EcoVision, it was never predatory. If I needed something like a piece of gear, Dan, what do you think about this? Like, he's like, well, this is about how long it's going to take to pay that back. 
Think mm -hmm. about it. I'll absolutely help you, but I want you to know the back end. Right. It was never like, oh yeah, hey, Steve, we can make some extra money off too. Never once. Mm -hmm. He always laid it out clear and made sure I understood. And uh, that taught me a ton about the music business. Mm -hmm. Also could bounce ideas off him. What do you think of this? He taught me patience. I was a firecracker when I first got on there. Like, we're doing this. I got 15 episodes in the can. He's just like, <laughs> cool. This guy won't even be back and blah, blah, blah. He's just like, Calm chill, down. chill. Yeah. What he taught me in this last two years has, is far more valuable than anything monetarily has ever happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And I thank him profusely for that. And I always have and always will uh, value his friendship that way. And that's why when he said that, like, you know, how about, you know, I'd be cool to entertain the idea of, you know, dissolving early because mm -hmm. the contract goes till September of 23. Right. Uh, and I was just, I literally almost teared up because I was like, dude, that's huge. He's like, we've both done great. Like, it prove a concept. No one's left uh, out anything. Mm -hmm. Every cent's been paid back. People have made money. It was a complete success. Right. So I, I don't know the right way to say it. So leaving EBR, moving on from EBR, moving forward from mm -hmm. EBR, I guess. Um, but it was a great home for two years. And uh, that support was huge. Mm -hmm. Through dark times, I could call Dan in the worst possible situation, midnight his time, and we'd get into it. And you talk me through it or whatever, you know, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. But that's still there. So if I have something, I'll call him up, you know? Well, and so it's, friends are friends it, do, you know? Well, and who knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah. You know, there could be things come up, and, and it's just, it seems like the best decision mm. for the current situation for everybody. Because also, the other side of it is, not only is it good for you to be able to get, get all your returns back, you know, mm -hmm. but it's also, it sounds kind of weird to say, but, you know, they're a bigger organization, right? And they need to focus their efforts on what's currently to keeping the lights on. Mm -hmm. And that is now, again, touring in bands. And yeah, it's stuff. not the podcast. Right. It, it's it's uh, not hurting, but it's not it's not paying the bills to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it, it's one of those things where you got to focus your efforts where you have to focus your efforts. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not, I mean, it's not tremendously different from what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Yeah. Like, we can spend a whole bunch of time hassling down random people for, for interviews, which we do. Uh, or, you know, you can email Monica and probably get somebody pretty dope pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. one of those deals. Uh, so you got to be able to, you got to be able to focus your attention wherever it needs focused. You, you can put time into things that maybe aren't necessarily going to provide immediately, which, I mean, you and I know a lot about. Mm -hmm. That's what podcasting is most of the yeah, time. Yeah, it's all an investment. But at some point, you do have to focus your efforts you know, on certain things. Well, a, a decent example actually is the podcast is core to what I do, but it wasn't the thing that initially got me to be able to quit my job. That was client work, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it certainly wasn't string joy. That was a, that was <laughs> yeah. that was a that was a, a pipe dream at that point. Like we, we wanted it to, but every every single cent that came in was going immediately back in to mm -hmm. the company. You know, mm -hmm. so Scott, actually, I don't know if he's gonna get me in trouble for saying this, but like, I know he's told a few people this. Some people asked him when he started the company, how did you go from, you know, tending bar to having this company and then, do, then doing it full time? And he was like, you don't wanna know the honest answer? Credit card debt. 
<laughs> it, it, yeah. Like he he literally had to decide: Do I think that this is going to be worth it? Mm-hmm. Do I think I can make this work? And he put himself into a little bit of debt initially. Yeah. It's gone now, but like he had to take a big risk mm-hmm. initially in order to put the time in that he needed to put in. And for me, I've said this on the podcast before. It was similar because I wanted the podcast to go. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted it to work for me. But initially I had to have like five or six different clients that enabled me the flexibility to be able to work on the podcast mm-hmm. and and Stringjoy and everything else. And Scott and I worked on a lot of that together as well. Uh, but we had to have that in order to give us the flexibility to work on the things we really wanted to. So all that to say is we had to... We had to focus on some things that we didn't really want to focus on in the short mm-hmm. term in order for our, to be able to have the energy and time to work on our long-term projects. Yeah. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well... Right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Blitz and Goodhertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with very compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my plane dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about lossing, I invite you to head over to chaseblitzaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. Uh, it was... It was a weird time because I was I was basically working three full time jobs at, at the same time in order to make it make it work. Mm-hmm. And finally, it got to a point where I could only I could only work two full time jobs at the yeah, same time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was able to quit that job. And the one piece of advice I would have given and would give to people about that is I even though I did that for three years, basically three full time jobs at the same time, uh, I quit a little early. I should have put in maybe six more months mm-hmm. uh, uh, at that place. Just it would have made things a little bit smoother. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneur and creative type people think that they have to just cut bait and go, 
now I'm a full-time musician or I'm a full-time whatever. It's like, man, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. In fact, it's very intelligent to have a good paying gig. Mm -hmm. You're used to this. And building the thing you're really passionate about slowly over time. Yeah. Because by the time you're ready to make that leap, you'll have a track history of what happens during what time of year because mm -hmm. there's their things are cyclical and you'll have a record of mistakes that you're like i don't want to do that again good thing i had something to cover my bills when i lost all that money from yep. that mistake i made yep. <laughs> like there's a ton of things that are beneficial for creatives and entrepreneurs to keep your day job for as long as you possibly can until it's time to, to quit i simply was burnt out I was like, I either have to do this or I have to, I have to quit something. Mm -hmm. I can't, I, I'm working, I don't even know how many hours a week on this. I gotta, I gotta do something. Yeah. But, but, um, it would have been more intelligent if I could have mentally held on longer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of musicians need to know that most musicians have a day job, even ones that are very successful. Yep. I mean, even... Even Ed, when we were talking to him, he's like, yeah, when I go home, I think I'm going to work in this cabinet shop for a while. Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize that. They just see people on stage and are like, that's what they do. And some, for, in some cases, that is true. But a lot of people have other gigs, even people yeah. you wouldn't expect. Yeah. If your job was an hour a night, what are you doing the you rest gotta of the time? you got to fill the rest of the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's one of them. It, it's Purpose. jobs. Yeah. Jo I mean, jobs... Uh, some, I mean, sometimes it just makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, my band's successful, but like, I don't want to sit around the couch all day eating Cheetos. Yeah. I can do other things. Mm -hmm. I can woodwork, I can build, I can do whatever. So yeah. I, I think a lot of people, and shows like this and yours, they are helping reveal some of that. Mm -hmm. I, I think we all have this fantasy of when we were kids reading alternative press and just thinking that that's all these people do all day is just mm -hmm. sit around and make music. And yeah. that's not true for most people. That's not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I spent all day at work building stuff for other people mm -hmm. and then after work build something for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I could care less about the other side of it. There's so much money involved and insurance that, I mean, I'm not going to screw it up, but I'm also not going to, you know, kill myself for it. Right. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, you have to be safe when you're doing that kind of stuff, but it's not a passion at all. It's construction. like Construction, it's yeah. Very I'm building this rich dude's building for this rich dude to buy mm -hmm. or this rich dude to move into. It's, it's nothing against the rich people, but like, they don't, like, in my mind, I don't think it, it's small potatoes. It's not passion. When someone gets screwed up, they're like, oh man, that costs a thousand bucks. Shoot. Instead of when I screw something up in my own thing, like, that's a thousand bucks? Oh, God. <laughs> you know? like, it's, yeah. it's different. Yes. I don't want to speak from that. I've never been rich, so I couldn't tell you, but mm. it would seem like, oh, yeah. You know, they write off more than that with a lot of these things. Like, anyway, but um, yeah, that was uh, uh, the leaving, leaving, moving on from EBR will be a big change. Mm -hmm. And it happened this year, just not official until the first of, of January, but. Um, and then where to go from there? Who knows? It's a wide open yonder. Um, <laughs> the sky's the limit. Yeah, but you start to get you start to get burned out on things. You start to get like yeah, it's just if you let it climb into your head, it'll keep eating at you until you do something about it. Yes. It's, so that's something I was struggling with this year too. Was 
just not getting burned out and taking things in stride and taking things, um, you know, as they come. I had that conversation with Ross Robinson. That was one of the best episodes of the year for me. Absolutely. Just hearing his take on things and absorbing his energies and, and his his perspective was really fascinating. Like, I really, I really took a lot from that conversation. Um, and that was kind of a turning point for the show as well. Like, I'd wanted to have him on for a long time, and we got introduced, like, through multiple people. Um, but an, uh, eventually it was it was Cody Vadalato texting him saying, hey, you need to do this show. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm in on a group text. He's like, oh, let's do it. I was like, excellent. And then who knew where it was going to go? Right. And now, yeah, like, um, we had, when I had Justin Pearson on, just for this the Christmas morning episode, right when we finished, we had been talking about Ross on the episode for quite a while and uh, joking about stuff or whatever. And then I, I hang up from him. He's like, dude, Ross just texted me. How weird is that? That like, is literally weird. <laughs> hung up and then looked at his phone and it was Ross. So then I text Ross and I was like, hey, just got off the phone, JP or whatever. And he's like, what? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it turned into this whole little thing. I was like, I'm going to text him and get super weird. Yeah. Because, of course, mine wasn't uh, provoked by the universe. It was poking the bear, not poking the bear, but like, oh, I'm totally going to mess with him and text him. Hey, sure. By the way, just got phone JP. What? I was just talking to JP. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But uh, <laughs> that was a good That was a good one. Him and Josh Eppard's episode and Travis from Coheed. Uh, yeah. Both those back-to-back were just emotionally exhausting, but emotionally filling as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like that, oh. Like, you have a scratch that that feels really good to scratch, but it also hurts. Like a scab, kind of? Kind of. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, it feels good. And the next day, you're like, oh, why did I do that? Too hard, yeah. That's exactly what it was like. Mm-hmm. Like, it needed to happen, and it felt real good, and then it felt real bad afterwards because of... Uh, so like, draining? Draining, yeah. And I've been looking into this, and this is, this sounds so weird. Uh, vicarious trauma. Okay. It's a thing. And it's not like I... I get weird talking about this stuff because it's it's not like a... it. Some people, it seems like they want to have a reason to be depressed or be, you know, like, oh, this is probably what I have and things like that. I've been sure. really looking into this because it's basically... A lot of therapists, police officers, firefighters, uh, first responders, um, people that hear about people's traumas repeatedly start to get what's called vicarious trauma. And it's so vicarious, like living through somebody else. Yeah. You're doing that. You start to like, they start. So how can I make an analogy out of this? Like if you're wearing a Velcro suit. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone's got these Velcro balls that they're throwing at you, and you're running as fast as you can. Not everyone's going to hit you, but you're going to come home with some balls stuck to you. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. But if you do that every day of your life, there's going to be a lot of balls. Mm-hmm. A lot are going to be stuck. A lot are going to be stuck, and eventually you're going to be completely covered in balls. <laughs> uh, but, uh, head to toe. Yeah. Head, head to toe. Right. Yeah. And you got to shake them off somehow. But you can't because they're stuck. Right. And you don't know how they got there. You don't know who threw them at you necessarily, but they're on you and they're dragging you down. You now weigh more. Like when you're walking with those weights, mm-hmm. that's that's vicarious trauma right there. That's what it feels like to where 
and I that's the thing. I cherish these conversations, but on my show, we go to a lot of places that a lot of people don't go. Yeah. Either they're scared to go there, they don't know how to go there, or just doesn't come up. For some reason, we end up going there to where people afterwards will text me like, where do I send the invoice for therapy or something like that? It's like, I'm not a therapist. But I, I, I feel like I thrive in that zone. Like that's when I start, shit gets real. And like that's when I'm like, okay, let's do this. Right. More so than just like the jokey kind of conversations, which I do love, by the way. And I listen to a lot of those. But eventually it catches up to you and you're like, why did I just cry at that commercial? Or like, why did I, why did I have to pull over on the way home with like a panic attack? Nothing was happening. And then you think back, like, where's this stress coming from? Where is this like, oh, I just did four incredibly dark episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. Maybe that has something to do with it. To where I started like researching it a little bit and it's it's a very real thing. You know, like when, when cops talk about, and this is not to tie myself to someone who's out saving lives, but where they just get jaded and they just hate everyone because they, all they do is trash all day. Right. The world's not that way, but that's how they see it. And that's, that's because the, of that. Right, because that's the only people they're dealing with yes. mostly. Yeah. And I'm dealing with amazing people. Like They're wonderful people. And I, I, I cherish these conversations. But it starts to like eat at you. It starts to like catch on to you. It's crazy. I don't know how to really else describe it, but I started to really realize that this year. And to like, I stepped back, I told Dan, I was like, I'm not gonna have 12 episodes in the bank anymore. I'm gonna do, you know, one a week, maybe two a week, that's it. And that's how it's gonna go. And that gives everyone else the respect of, we did this episode on a Thursday, it's not going to come out four months from now because I have so much in the can. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out in a nice manner. Uh, I'm going to be more well suited to have the conversation because I'm not burned out from you know everything, and um, that's really helped. Like the last two three months, been just like I turn stuff down constantly, and that's not a flex, but like I turn stuff down every day, right? And instead of like saying, oh, maybe we can work it in to like try to be nice. I, I'm not doing it. Sorry, I don't have time. Uh, I don't want to. I just have to be honest with people about it, and that's been a big change. Yeah, because you're. I I get a lot inbound as well, mm-hmm. but the difference is it's always one. Generally speaking, it's like one type of person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's usually. A lot of the inbound stuff is, there are musicians, there are bands that reach out. That's actually how Kyle Gass happened, weirdly enough. So awesome. Uh, but, you know, it's usually like, hey, I make this thing and I want to talk about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like I want to do that and I I want to have interesting people on. And there's, but the, the thing about pedals and stuff is that there are so many people mm-hmm. doing it that would also like to get on and get the exposure, which I understand I think is a great idea. The problem is, I realize that about myself. If I do more than three, mm-hmm. I already do Chasing Tone once a week. That's different, though, because it's just us goofing off. Yeah. That's all it is. Which is fun. Which is great. There's no there's no real burden there other than it just takes a little bit of time. So that's fine. But, uh, you know, I already do a few a week as is, just kind of standing. 
and I realized that like I lose the I don't have that same I do have some pretty deep conversations occasionally but I don't care seem to carry it with me in the same mm-hmm. way but I do get like accidentally in in a rhythm that's not a good rhythm mm-hmm. it's like oh doing this again you know doing this again <laughs> like here we go yep. and by breaking it up to where I'm only doing like one or two interviews a week mm-hmm. it keeps it enough in the can that I'm you know, comfortable because mm-hmm. I do want, I do like having them in the can. That's yeah. It, I get stressed if I if I'm week to week. That happens sometimes. I'm like, ah, I need to record this week. Hopefully, nothing falls through because mm-hmm. sometimes it does. Uh, but I I I realize I put out a better podcast if I only record one or, once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. It's just better because I'm more into it. I ask better questions. Uh, the vibes better. Mm-hmm. You know. It's, I can I can cram I can cram with the best of them if I have to yeah but I don't like to not for even from a workload but from a like literal product quality mm-hmm. if you look at it that way it's better if I only record a couple times a week at the most yeah for me dude it's it's I don't think people realize what it takes to here's the weird thing and I, I hate to put more of a spin on this than needs to be but I don't know if it's ego or whatever it is but to do what we do successfully is extremely difficult. To to take a show or an idea and make it something that people want to listen to, for one, people consistently listen to is even harder, and to grow every mm-hmm. year is even harder. But you think about how many people have conversations throughout the day. How many people can have a conversation on a whim that people are going to want to listen to that aren't having the conversation? Oh man, I wish I could go back and record that bus trip conversation. I would love to hear that again, right? Like, you have to make it entertaining and compelling for people to want to listen to. Mm-hmm. That's the art form of it: is is getting having a normal conversation, but at the same time that someone wants to listen to. That's just not like, you know, like so many people have conversations that no one ever wants to hear or wants to hear again. Right. But then we have conversations <laughs> that people listen to 10 or 20 times. And, you know, over maybe not, maybe initially because of who the person is we're talking to. Sure. But then they go back to it and back to it and back to it again. And we're in their head all year round. But uh, it's just such a weird, a weird thing, like, to, to do that. And, and what it takes to do that consistently takes a toll on your body. Like, there... I'm usually in the studio by myself, like doing these, mm-hmm. and the studio's like soundproof, boom, boom, boom. So after like the one with hey Josh Eppard, right, where we just lost about our parents dying and all that stuff, like I threw up after that episode. Wow. Hung up, sat there for a minute, just kind of taking it all in. It was like two and a half hour, two hours and forty five minutes of just like a great conversation with a very good friend. Some dark places and some like catharsis. Throughout tears, but then I literally threw up in a trash can afterwards. Wow! Just like expelling all this like like worked up energy and and like uh, grief and like whatever you uh, trauma shame <laughs> yeah like you know talking about when my dad passed away like. The, what I did, when ha- what he did when his mom passed away, like those really intimate moments, are now out in the world, but like talking about it, like 
I've never thrown up after having a conversation with my therapist, <laughs> and my therapist is great. But we don't get the same thing out of that, you know? After, after the Ross chat, I just laid on the floor for a good 40 minutes. Like, I pushed stop and just, like, pushed the chair over and just laid flat on the floor in the dark and just soaked it in, like, what just happened? Like, what did we just do here? And it was partially, like, I felt really good about it and it was just kind of like that, um, what do you call it? That, like... Not like twilight's the wrong word. What's the uh, what's the word? There's like a after like a really good thing. There's like this like uh, afterglow. Afterglow mm-hmm. in the darkness. Yes, laying in the darkness. <laughs> but just in the studio, if someone walked into the studio right then, they'd be like, "Is what the f- is he dead?" Yeah, like yeah. why? What are you doing? There's a large man I'm on the laying floor. in the dark. <laughs> yeah, but I would just lay there and and just like think about it, ponder on it. Like I never used to do that, but now sometimes I do that. Whether it's thrown up or or just like bursting into tears or whatever, like depending on what it is, or sometimes I'll just sit there and just start laughing because it was so funny. What we were talking about was so funny, or if I you know just go spot check, make sure things recorded, and I'll hear it again, I'll just start laughing. But it's all these like super heavy emotions. But happiness is also a very heavy emotion as well, I feel. And so even those ones that are just like lighthearted, funny, I still like sit there and think about it for a minute, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I used to schedule them back to back to back to back. So I'm like, this one's running in. I got two minutes till the next one. All right, we got to wrap this one up. Click, hey, and like, yeah. And then you're into, you know, it's just a weird. Anyway, I can go all over the place with it, but yeah, literally like physical reactions have been happening lately with where things go sometimes, and it's, it's, it's wild. It's it's, it's funny because I I don't have, I don't have those same reactions, but I definitely have a reaction. And it's it's oftentimes, sometimes it it is laughing. Sometimes I'm I'm I get done, and I hang up, and I'm by my I'm by myself again, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Are you really doing this? Like, is this really <laughs> like is this really like? Because I, I I always think back to me from ten years ago, mm-hmm. and me from ten years ago was covered in grease pulling out transmissions, mm-hmm. and not wanting to do that because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody really wants to do that part. People like being a mechanic, don't get me wrong. And I, there was aspects of it that I did like. Yeah. But I don't think when you're trying to shove a, a transmission back into a, a diesel truck, like a full-blown, like full-size Volvo freight truck, mm-hmm. you're not stoked. No one's... <laughs> no, you're not. No one is. Nobody is. Nobody is. No one. No one. And so I'm thinking like, <laughs> man... Oh, I wish I could be doing anything else right now. Yeah. And so I, I oftentimes think like, what if I could have told myself that this was this was going to be life mm-hmm. back then? Like, this is what you're going to do. We talk about all the work, and that is all entirely true. But still, I'm just like, I, I wouldn't believe it. Yeah. I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe that this is what every day looks like. You know, my family wouldn't believe it either. Mm-hmm. Like, no. That's no, you're a mechanic. That's what you're gonna do, and that's what you're gonna do until you die. That was my thought process, and so I will. I'll just laugh because I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is so absurd that this is your life now. This is what you get to do. It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. It does make sense, but me think like putting myself in those 
old dirty boots. I'm going like, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? You're on crack. That's not going to happen. But those old dirty boots had a check guaranteed every week. That's true. They certainly and did. you just had to shove that transmission. That's right. You just had to shove the transmission. That's all you had to do. That's right. And so hey, the safety behind that is we'll keep people there forever. It's true. And, and no risk, no reward. I, it, was, it, it was a journey in realizing that I just wasn't the same as my dad. Mm-hmm. My, my dad worked for himself for years and he liked aspects of it and I liked a- aspects of it because I got to see my dad all the time. Mm-hmm. But he is not designed to do that. Yeah. He, his brain is, he'll tell you. He's like, I was not, not good at running a business. I don't like running a business. I like to go to work and come home and not think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I get more stressed by being told what I, what I have to do and what I, when I have to do it every day. Yeah. That's, we're just wired differently. Yep. And I respect my dad and and I really valued his advice and I still do. But I have to now realize like we're just so different. Mm-hmm. We're just such as much as we are the same because we have a lot of similarities, we are such different people as far as our mental wiring goes. I'd way rather all the pressure be on me. They say, uh, I've said this before and I didn't come up with a quote, but they say like entrepreneurs are somebody who will work uh, 80 hours so they don't have to work 40. And I'm like, yep. that's that's me, mm-hmm. 100%. 100% yep. that's me. 80 hours on your own accord versus <laughs> yeah. 40 hours on someone else's. Mm-hmm. To make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Yep. I'll do it. All. Yep, that's exactly me. All day long. All day. And some people don't understand that and I understand why they don't because it seems sort of illogical. But it's the difference between you know, kind of grabbing the, I like to grab the reins. I'm mm-hmm. like, here we go. Ah, we're going like, this is, this is my show. Yeah. Like literally in this case, like yeah. this is my show. This is what we're doing. I like having as much control as possible. And maybe that's just some unhealthy uh, control issue that I have, but I like. It all I, comes back to control. <laughs> I like, Everything. I like driving the ship in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, I'm, very comfortable with if I crash it into the rocks that it's my fault and I'll take the, I'll take the heat for it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. What I don't like is having somebody tell me what I have to do when it's stupid and it mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. You have to fill this paperwork out. Why? Why do I have to fill out that form? Because if you don't fill out the form, you can't work. Like I could have done the job five times in the time that I filled out that paperwork. Mm-hmm. Will you just let me do it? I hated that stuff. And that's yeah. the oil industry in a nutshell, basically. Red tape. I can't stand that stuff, but I don't know how we got here. But well, your dad can come into this place that you built off the podcast, this incredible studio, and interview Brian Fallon. You're very similar in that aspect. <laughs> yes, he can have conversations, and he's interested. That's yeah. the thing. He's, he would actually be better. Genuinely at this. curious. He'd be better at this than he realizes. Yeah, that's all you need to have is mm-hmm. that genuine curiosity. Yeah, he, Speaking of Brian Fallon. You it was Brian up. Venable, but still, point still stands. Shoot. Yeah. For, wow. for clarity. Hey, there's a lot of Brian's wow. in Wow. <laughs> we talked about both of them. We did. That's, okay. Yes. Brian Venable from Lucero. Yes. What's the interview in here? Yes. Yes. Freudian slip. Sorry, folks. Hey, it's all right. Uh, Brian B. Brian F. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian F. You hooked me up with him. Mm-hmm. Were you doing the episode the whole time? Like, this is going really bad. He does not seem interested at all. This is going terrible. <laughs> Why is this going so terrible? It's a good conversation. Why aren't things matching up? Come to find out, the entire time he keeps looking out the window because a giant tree is about ready to fall on his house. Yeah. The entire <laughs> chat. And he doesn't tell me till the end. 
oh, sorry, uh, yeah, this tree's been, like, uh, it's going to fall in my house. <laughs> the whole thing, he just kept, like, what's he looking at? Like, what? Am I screwing this up? Hilarious. Yes. Absolutely hilarious, because then it got really good. Mm-hmm. It was it was doing fine anyway, but I, in my mind, couldn't get it out of my head. Like, he's not having a good time. This is bombing. Mm-hmm. But he was literally about to get crushed. Right. <laughs> and it was just like, what do I do? Do I cancel? Do I? I'm already in, in it. Like, already in it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Brian Fallon, wonderful human being. Yes. Uh, if he's listening to they're watching this. So I'm glad the tree didn't fall in your house. Um, but he gave me a run for my money. Questioning myself. <laughs> <laughs> or was I say I was going somewhere and I went completely. Oh, I was in the reactions, the laughing mm-hmm. reaction. So, but sometimes... And actually, the one that pops into my brain was actually after, now that I think about it, after we did this last year. Mm -hmm. Because then we talked for another hour and a half, which often happens, after the the microphones were rolling. And we were talking about some some insane things that we can't talk about. Yeah. And I stood out here on the porch of the Shred Shed for a good while after that, just staring at the hedges Mm -hmm. and the trees and going like, I shouldn't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and, yeah, and, you know about it. And I was like, I was like, I'm not telling anyone, but I yeah. shouldn't know mm-hmm. about this. And I don't know what to do with this in my brain. You get to carry it the rest of your life. I get to carry That's it the rest of my life. you get to do. Yeah, and every time that person, not, You're welcome. Per, not that person, <laughs> but every time I see anything about that artist at all, I, that instantly goes... That yeah. little thing that I'm not supposed to know clicks into my brain, and and it's not a bad thing per se. Like nothing ended up happening, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. But it it's something I'm like, there's like maybe 20 people on the planet that know about this, and for some reason I'm one of them, and it feels yeah. very strange. There's less than that, and uh, <laughs> far less than that, and it's like, what's the like rose-colored glasses or whatever? Like you get these like when you get to see behind the curtain so much the world looks like a very different place and you see what other people see and want to be and want to want to uh uh work towards and it's like i don't know about that like you've been awakened a little bit like where you can like look at things like that a little bit differently his perspective on what's what's back there and what's you know when you get to a certain point and you're not happy still you you know like uh who's famously talked about vanilla ice Mm -hmm. like once he got super famous and had everything he wanted he was still bummed out and sad so what's the point right like things like when you actually see that happen to people and it's like oh maybe i don't care about the big payday or the the you know i think it's weird it's in a brighter way of looking at it and i've told this story a that's billion why i appreciate times. you yeah. you always have the positive spin as i go down a rabbit hole of hell well, well the, the, <laughs> the way the a big moment for me was when uh, we're just going to talk about gaslighting this whole yeah, episode. Do it. When when you I got done with guitar, right? <laughs> uh, it's, o- it? it's over there. Oh, it's back there. Yeah, yeah, the mule. Yeah. Uh, when that first time we hung out with them, we were walking back from the bus, and my wife Lynn, she's like, "They're all just like you," and that that clicked in my brain in a lot more ways than just what she mm-hmm. meant. What she meant was like, they're all just like they love guitars and music, just like you yep. do. Like they're obsess over like. The, the way different finishes look mm-hmm. and sound and just like you like she meant she meant it as like they're like all guitar players are the same <laughs> like type of thing exactly and i think that's somewhat true mm-hmm. 
But what I really realized when she said that, I was like, these are these people who I respect and, and have obsessed over their art for years and years are just like me. Mm-hmm. They're just as flawed. They're just as weird. They're just as, you know, they're into the same things in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. And that was, uh, I think everybody logically knows that. We know that Jay-Z, you know, still you know, has to eat and poop and wash his face just like everybody else. Yeah. But you still see him like, whoa, it's Jay-Z. Yep. Jay-Z, when Jay-Z's by himself, he's like, I'm, I'm still Jay, like, I'm, I'm Jay-Z, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just a dude. You don't yeah. suddenly transcend and are just some sort of godlike figure when you get famous. Mm-hmm. You're still a person. And you still have all the issues to work through, and you still have all of the things to deal with, and the pressures oftentimes don't mesh up with the payday, mm-hmm. especially with some of the artists that like we love and the scenes that we mm-hmm. tend to float in. They're very well known in this this weird scene. Yeah. But I don't think people realize that it's just not that the payday isn't what you think it is, mm-hmm. and and all these people are just not all. I don't mean to generalize, but they're going through the same struggles that everybody else deals with. It's just it's just they're doing it in front of everyone. Yeah. Jay-Z's back hurt when he woke up the other day. Mm-hmm. He's at that last little restroom before you get to the thing that lifts you through the stage, having explosive diarrhea because he ate some bad food. Right. Billion dollars can't stop that. Nope. <laughs> it can't. And it you're going to do it, and you're going to be a human being, and you're going to barely get it done in time to pop out of that stage. That's right. And... Start throwing lyrics at people that they can relate to because you're a human being. Exactly. That's the only reason we resonate with any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if an alien came down and started rapping about space, it'd be sick. But it would be. But we'd probably be like, "Oh, it's got a good beat," but I really don't. I don't uh, uh, sympathize with that, or I don't understand that. Whereas a human being can only talk about human things. Mm-hmm. That's why it makes sense. Yeah. And that's why we buy the records, and that's why. We go to the shows, and that's why we even care about what they do, is because they're just like us. Mm-hmm. It's just they're a version of us that we don't think we think is better than ours. When a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's way worse. I going to you know I use my dad as an example a lot just because like he, if he suddenly was famous, he would be miserable. Yeah, he wants to be like. No, he'd rather be on a mountain somewhere where yeah. nobody could see him. Under the radar. Yeah. Like, if he was famous sudden, mm-hmm. suddenly, he would hate it. If I was famous, like, famous, I wouldn't like that. Mm-hmm. I, I've told people, like, I'm, I I want to grow the show, and I want to have as many people listen to it as possible, but I don't want people showing up at my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uninvited. I, I want Dewey to show up at I my agree. house. I agree. But, uh, but I was invited. Yeah. I yeah. did just show up today. I did just walk to the backyard. <laughs> I knocked on the door, and I was like, wait a minute. Are you here? I was like, oh, wait. He probably is in the shed. So I started walking around. The gate was open and just like wide open. I was like, oh, okay. And then you popped out. Oh. No, there he is. Hey. I was going to get this chair that I'm sitting in right now. Yeah. But yeah, I think that is, again, we've talked about podcasting a lot. But I do think the long form chats, like what we have Mm -hmm. with people like we talk to, it is very revealing because we tend to, we only view these people when they're doing their thing. Mm -hmm. We... You know, we don't we don't think about the fact that they you know, hey, they are they also eat sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you see them up there just rocking out and just mm-hmm. you 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 sit, even it's even funny because everyone looks cooler on stage. You see them up there on stage, mm-hmm. you know, holding a guitar, like automatically you look cooler than if you were down here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a guitar that someone else handed you. Yes, exactly. You didn't put it on yourself. That's right. 
This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Which takes up a whole other notch. That's right. So yeah, it's always, it's since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. There's been stages, there's been, I mean, performers and I mean, it's just in people's blood. Mm -hmm. Some people. Some people. And the rest was, and when I was looking, I was, I was backstage at Atreyu and uh, like on the stage watching them. Mm Mm-hmm. Watching and no amps on stage. Everything's in ear for them, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So there was no. It was just hearing the drums going and a little bit of vocals. Super weird. I'm not used to that aspect of things now. Uh, all the amps on stage had lights in them that were lighting up that I didn't see until I watched a video of it later. But I'm watching them and I'm watching the crowd, and the crowd's reacting. You know, if Brandon is like, you know, ah, and everyone's like, ah, it was, it was cool. Watching the energy. But then I'm looking at them, and I watched, you know, the bus they pulled in, in and uh, I was like, man, I know, I know what that's like. Like, I'm looking out there, and I'm like, almost every one of these people that spent money to come in here, that's like doing the hay hoes and all that stuff, is going to a much better situation tonight <laughs> than they are. They're gonna go home. Uh-huh. They're gonna climb into their bed. That's Probably not take a shower. Moving. Probably take a shower. Take mm-hmm. a shower and go. Wake up in their same town and go back to doing what they do, but they're going to go home again, sleep in their own bed. If they get sick, they can sleep in their own bed. Then I have to be like, in the coffin. And I was just looking like the trade-off. Like these guys are making money, but they're sacrificing so much comfort and to health. do this and health mm-hmm. while all these people are paying money to then, and they all want to be on stage. They want to be at home. And no one's going to get that. Right. The <laughs> people that weeks. have it will have it. The people that have it will have it at that time. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I was just having these like realizations in real time. Like that kid with a clawed face is going to go home and wash that off in his shower and go lay down and put his head where he belongs tonight. And boom, these guys are going to maybe get a shower, hop in the bus and sleep in a coffin like this back to, back to California. Um, it was not desirable. I think that's the other thing. Uh, people have this vision of the tour bus, right? And they see the tour bus and they're like, wow, that must be really great. Without fully realizing, I'm generalizing, this is just your average concert going fan. Not somebody who's like really into this. Probably not even somebody who's listening to the show, honestly. Mm-hmm. But your average concert goers that say, say it's going to see, you know, ZZ Top or some big band that's mm-hmm. just like, isn't even generally that into music on a mm-hmm. consistent basis the way that people listen to these shows are. Yeah. 
they don't realize that the bus is better than a van, but it still kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's worse than a van. Okay, put it this way. Any public place that you go into, for the most part, a hospital, a library, a, a auto dealership, a tire shop, a restaurant, a, a bookstore, anywhere you go into, usually, by law, has to have a place you can take a dump. Right. And it's free. Right. <laughs> Whereas, you're going to go pay... You're going to go pay $3,500 a day for a giant RV with a very narrow hallway, a couple couches, a TV, a little mini fridge, where you cannot poop. You can't. Unless you poop in a bag. There's no bathroom on those things? There is, but you can't poop in them. It's pee only. Oh. So you have to do what's called bagging it. Oh, no. <laughs> where you put a plastic bag in the toilet, right. crap in it, tie um, it off, and run it through the crowd of people and throw it out the window. No. Yeah. You cannot crap on a tour bus. Justin Timberlake can't take a dump on his tour bus. He can spend $1,000 on a bottle of water, but he cannot go take a dump on his tour bus. I didn't know that. I thought... Because, like, I've been in RVs, and you can. You, yes. But not on a bus. The bus driver is not going to pump the dumper for you. Can you pump it yourself? No. What? These are leased deals. Like, these are these are rented deals. You rent the driver, you rent the bus. You cannot poop on the bus. I did it's not know this. It's the number one rule. You do not. So, solids, How did I not no know this? No solids. You'll even save by the toilet. No solids. How did I not know this? This is like. Have you ever tried to crap on one? No. Then there's no reason for you to know that yet, I guess. Except no, for the would, jokes about it. I would get off and go to the venue because it's. A t I'm like, I don't want to go in there. That's a tiny little... Uh, so yeah. everyone in that venue, everyone in that arena is going to go to somewhere with a toilet they can poop in and pee in. <laughs> or these guys are going to go get in a box that they have to wait till the next gas station. You could crap in a bucket in the van if you wanted to. Put some kitty litter in a bag. Like in a bucket, go to town. But in a bus, you just can't do it. I didn't know this. Also, that bus parks, that driver goes to a hotel and goes to bed. You can't move it. You have to call, before Uber, you would have to walk everywhere or get a taxi. The van, you can pop in the van, go to Guitar Center, get some strings, some string joy strings. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, cables, whatever. Like, oh, we need this. Let's roll the Guitar Center real quick. Worst case, you're going to lose your parking spot. Bus, you can't move it because you can't drive it. Right. So you can't drive even if what's you, carrying you around. Even if you could physically drive it, you're yep. not legally allowed to, right? If you're stuck on an airplane on the tarmac for five hours because they can't figure out what's going on, you can still get up and take a dump. Right. But you can't fly it. A bus, you can't do any of those things. <laughs> you're still sitting there in it. You can't get out and you can't take a crap. I did not know this. How did it, how did I not know this? This is this is there's a whole podcast called You Don't Shit on the Bus. Or <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Um, but that's the thing. That's wild. That would be a problem. For On me. an all-night drive, that's the worst anxiety rhythm. What if you get sick? Hope we got some bags. You definitely got bags. You're also sleeping in a bed that's smaller than a twin-size bed. Yeah, they're tiny. It's smaller than what my kids sleep in. And you're on stage doing it every night, and you get in there. So it's Have really... you gotten on a tour bus in the morning? No. Or had him even open the door? Mm -mm. 
my God, the <laughs> well, smells. Well, there's a lot of people in there. Yeah, there is. And a lot of them haven't showered. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. It's no existence you want, but everyone wants that. Everyone wants that life, man. They Until they, they get do. there, they're like, oh, now I put all my eggs in that basket. Mm -hmm. I get to get on stage for an hour and have fun, and then I sit here and drink. <laughs> and I, you know, or I play cards, or I, you know, do this or that. That's why I try, and it, it's, 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 oh, things are opening up a, a little bit as far as, like, people's availability, you know. But when I know I've got friends coming in through town, mm -hmm. if I'm available, I purpose be like, hey, I got wheels. You want to go somewhere? Yeah. And or can I pick you something up? Yeah, can I grab something? Yeah. Like, because, uh, like, because I've known that once, I know they're stuck. I just didn't realize that when they're on a bus, they couldn't go to the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. I mean, if you poop two or three times a day, like more than a normal person does, you can't just sit on the bus all day. You got to eventually get off of there and go do that. Mm -hmm. so you can't even hide out in there. So, like, like touring in New York City must be the worst because there's no public restrooms. No, you find a Starbucks that has one. Like, you, we would always map out, like, a Starbucks that had bathrooms. That you can get the code. You buy something and mm -hmm. get the code. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. Huh. See, I learned things there on this can, podcast. Dude, I didn't know. Google it, man. You cannot <laughs> poop on the bus. I think there's certain people, I think, uh, I'm not going to call anyone out, but there's a certain band on Warp Tour that we were told had a macerating toilet on their bus because their bass player had intestinal issues. Okay. That's the only way you could tour, and they spent thousands more on this bus mm -hmm. to make that happen. That's the only time I've heard that exception being made. But they paid for it. They paid for it mm -hmm. big time because the driver has to deal with that. And if it's their driver all the time that kind of understands, oh, so-and-so has this, make it happen. Right. But he's going to get paid well for it. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's over a certain amount of hours, it's an overdrive you're paying for, fuel premiums, like also it's expensive. That's why bands are canceling European tours because it's too expensive to tour over there. They can't make any money. Mm -hmm. Bands are canceling tours over here. It's just logistically... If they have to be in a bus, they won't go back to a van, they can't afford it. It makes me wonder, right? 3500 bucks a day. And that's right? a ballpark. That's I mean, that's but just, basic drives, no overdrives, nothing. Right. That's, you also pay for the guy's hotel room and taxi back and forth to the oof. bus every day. So that's that's 300 400 bucks probably. Yep, because he's got to sleep because he drives all night. Mm -hmm. And then your bus calls at 3 a.m. means you got to be back there. You're stuck at that bus till it leaves, whatever ungodly hour of the morning, while everyone else is asleep, just loving life. Mm -hmm. Talking about how rad the show was <laughs> and how bad I want to be up there playing. So this is one of those things where I always, I always wonder about with with bands and music. Like this industry is notorious for, we do it this way because this is how we do it, and we don't change. Mm -hmm. To the point of like I've talked to some pretty successful people, both in record labels and bands, about my idea of releasing music as podcasts or on podcasts mm -hmm. instead of the traditional way initially. I'm like, you know, I, I've, I've said this for years. If Taylor Swift does this, music industry changes overnight. Taylor Swift releases an album independently on her own as a podcast, and she could do it as a full big stream. She could break it up into episodes that are tracks, mm -hmm. whatever. She could do it any number of ways. Pepsi sponsors that. And she, they get exclusive for 30 days. Music industry changes overnight. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've spun that to a few people more in our realm of things. And the response I get is always like, it's a pretty good idea. 
but I don't know if we want to try it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if it's a good idea, why don't you want to try it? You gotta get you Taylor. Know? You know? So I did it myself, but obviously mm-hmm. I'm so small that it doesn't matter. But proof of concept, like Sweetwater sponsored that episode when I dropped my album, I made way more, not like not like I'm Scrooge McDucking through money, but way more than I ever have from streaming mm-hmm. from that one month. So why couldn't that be done at a bigger scale? If I can do it as mm-hmm. the, the tiniest musician on the planet, how come somebody who is more established couldn't pull something off? The answer is because they get told, oh, that's not how we do it. So, mm-hmm. so that leads me to my next question. If you're a big enough band that you're a bus band, or excuse yeah, that you're a bus band now, and you're paying $3,500 a day, could you not then, and, and you know you're going to be touring, probably until you're re- mm-hmm. retired, don't you think you could buy a bus? You absolutely could. Some people, I'm sure, do that. Simon Cowell bought a double-decker bus. It's mm-hmm. all tricked out, millions and millions of dollars. But you're looking back. I'm thinking a normal bus, though. Well, it's talking like, so take Corn for example. Mm-hmm. So Jonathan Davis on from Corn, and uh, he was walking me through, like, his day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, they get hotels sure. with a bus. So they're in hotels most nights. Sure. This is a really long drive, so they have that shower accident, but all the venues have showers, and to- the Moda Center has pretty nice facilities. Yeah. You have a nice shower. I mean, Blazers are playing. Everyone's playing there. LeBron's playing there. Like, probably wants a good place to take a dump. Uh, <laughs> and you get back there, and you, you're seeing all the facilities. They're great facilities. Mm-hmm. Every night, great facilities. Catered food, like a specific to your diet. Like, there's the, you know, corn travels with physical therapists, with doctors, with, like, all So, John has a doctor that takes care of him, also has therapists, like physical therapists, he, he a massage therapist, he gets massaged beforehand, eats dinner, whatever, gets massaged beforehand, mm-hmm. goes out on stage to make it through, and comes back and gets massaged on the cool down. Like, they're taken care of very well. Yeah. But still, they're not in their own bed. They're not. They're in a hotel, which is one of the coldest places ever as far as, like, comfort. In a hotel, random hotel here and there and there. But they all have their own bus. So oh, they're wow. not sharing with everybody. If he has his boys out with him, which he did, you hear him in the background talking, they're on the bus with them, traveling with them. Mm-hmm. Like it, and you can get to that point. I'm sure you could buy your own bus. But why they don't, I don't know. Well, for them, if they're all going to have their own, that's one thing. I'm more thinking of like a Treyu, actually. It's probably a pretty good example. Mm-hmm. You know, that I don't know, I don't know what their finances is. This is me spitballing and looking at it with my like business guy hat on. I'm always like, it seems like if you knew you were going to tour America con- like every two years for the rest of your career, you could make that justification. Whether you buy a bus or whether you buy a, a massive RV, whatever mm-hmm. the case or may a be. Bandwagon. Yeah, and then just hire a driver independently. Mm-hmm. You know, you can find people to do that. Like, hey, you want to tour with a rock band and get paid, mm-hmm. you know, however much? A thousand thou- bucks mm-hmm. a day? 500 mm-hmm. bucks a day? 800 bucks a day? Whatever yeah. it is. You can find a lot of people that would be willing to do that. Yeah. And they'd be excited about it. And it seems to me that if you did that, now I'm sure there's, whenever I have these harebrained ideas, there's always something I don't know about that mm-hmm. is like, oh, that's why. But I, I do wonder what that is. Because it seems like at $3,500 a day, roughly, you if you were making a loan payment on something, or even buying it cash, whatever the fin- financial mm-hmm. situation dictated, yeah, it seems like... You could do that, but there's probably something I don't know about. Yeah, they break down costs. I mean, there's all sorts of problems, but like, oh, I know uh, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. I don't know why. It's it's, like, a, it's easier to just lease them. 
Right. It is easier. It, it, there's mm -hmm. no doubt the system's already in place. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to figure yeah. out maintenance. You don't have to figure... New bus shows up <laughs> ready for you to go when it breaks down. That's Yeah, there's that. Mm -hmm. So there's... then that's... That's important. Yeah. There's a lot of maintenance and, and things that... Ver, there's a lot of unseen costs yeah. to owning something like that, which is why they cost $3,500 mm -hmm. a day. The company yeah. leasing it has to make money. I guess my point is, is if the company leasing the buses can make money on that, you would think a, a, a decent-sized band or artist could also cut yeah. that profit out because mm -hmm. they don't have to pay that company. They, they have to make money on that, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, cut that profit part out. Now they're automatically saving what? What's that profit margin look like? Mm -hmm. That the yeah, band... if they're making sixty grand a night, whatever a guarantee, like mm -hmm. yeah, even smaller bands. I mean, ten, fifteen grand a night for a guarantee. Like mm -hmm. you can, you could back in the day, you could do a bus, it's it... like fifteen hundred a day or something like that. Like you can make that work, but you got to pay all these people, the crew, and all. The... You have to, and you have to have somewhere to store it. Mm -hmm. I know there's like all kinds of logistical reasons, but I do, I do feel like if buses are this big of a problem, you could probably like you could probably figure it out if you were really determined. I'm gonna ask this the next time I get someone that. Caliber on, yeah. Like, why don't you just buy your own bus? Yeah, I want to know. Tell me why you wouldn't buy your own bus. They'd be like, I did, man. That <laughs> is my bus. That is my bus. I own it. Yeah. In fact, I, I leased it, it this morning. I leased it back to other bands. <laughs> yeah. I, I pooped on it this morning. <laughs> That's the yeah. Jay Z move. Yeah. Buy your own bus, and then yeah. the, he owns the leasing company. That's uh -huh. the Jay Z move. Right yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> Stocked with his whiskey and his cigars, and mm -hmm. like a mini bar. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> We've been doing this a long time. Should we see how long we've yeah, been doing sure. it? How long we've been doing this? Let's wander over here. I love that I can. I love these lobs because I can do this. I know I say that every time I get up. Well, we better close it down because we got insufficient discs. Disc. Disc. <laughs> disc, <laughs> disc we better space. shut it down. We have insufficient discs. <laughs> 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 Our uh, our main camera stopped recording. Oh, okay. All right. We well, got insufficient discs, discs, guys. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, big everyone. Discs sorry, got everyone. Smaller, uh, <laughs> over 2022. I wonder. I wonder how long ago that main camera shut off. This one. Uh, this one here. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's not recording anymore. Oh. Just these damn. two. Good thing we pointed. Sponsored one by Blue Chews. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we got insufficient discs. <laughs> Freudian oh, slip of the century. <laughs> oh, man. Is this still recording? Yeah, we're recording the audio. I'm just okay. going to sign off. Yeah. Uh, Peace. I'm going to look at that camera. You look at that one. Peace. Yeah. We'll see you. For Dewey, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. See you. All right, folks, there you have it. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I enjoyed having it. And please, another reminder if you like this podcast and you want to support me in some way, please go check out the Tone Mob YouTube channel. I would be forever grateful if you could go just let that video play. Just let it play the full two hours. Hit it with a like and a nice comment. That would really mean a lot. And you could subscribe while you're there. I'm not just going to be putting out the video versions of the podcast, though if you people watch them and you enjoy them, I will keep doing that. But I'm also going to focus on more video content moving forward. I'm trying to have fun with it, trying to do some cool stuff over there. So please check out the Tone Mob YouTube channel when you get a second. I would really, really appreciate that. All right, folks. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much for the fantastic year. I will talk to you on the internet very soon. See ya in 2023. Later.
One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like chocolates. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.